Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 834 for Monday, September 21st, 2020. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where we take everything you send in. Questions, tips, cool stuff found. We mash them all together. We mix them together. We pepper in some things of our own. We make a stew because it's getting to be that time of year where stew is like, you know, hearty and tasty and warm and it, it, it's good for the soul. So we make the stew. And the goal is when we eat the stew, we serve the stew, we eat the stew too with you, right? Because it's, you know, that's how it works. Uh, we are the stewards of the stew, I like to say. I mean, it's the first time I've said it, but I do like saying it, stewards of the stew. The goal being that we each learn, you know, it's, it's always five new things, but I think today you can probably learn six. I, it probably. I don't want to, like, add any pressure here, though. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so, so the, the, you know, we're still going to say five, but you could probably learn six new things each and every time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include burrow.com slash MGG, eero.com slash MGG, mintmobile.com slash MGG with a new thing that's freaking amazing, and lino.com slash MGG. We will talk about in depth about each of those shortly here. But for now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is... John F. Braun. How are you doing today, Mr. John F. Braun? Eh, hanging in there. All right. Well, you know, these days that's okay. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, I think everything's working here. I think we're recording. Uh, if you're hearing this, we succeeded. If you're not, well, we did this exercise for ourselves here. We have a bunch of questions, of course. We have some cool stuff found. We have uh, our own list of cool stuff found and quick tips of the things that we found in the new releases uh, of the various OSs, iOS 14, tvOS 14, watchOS 7, iPadOS 14, that uh, that Apple you know, unceremoniously released this week. So, uh, so we will have those to share, including at least one PSA for iOS 14 that you're almost definitely going to want to do on your home network. Almost certainly. In fact, I will be shocked if you don't want to do this. But we'll get to those. Shortly, first, I want to talk through uh, some questions, John, because I liked starting last week that way. It was fun, right? Good? Indeed. Okay, cool. Here we go. Uh, listener John writes in and says, um, he says, I've been having an issue with photos for a while now. It loads fine, and as long as I don't try to do anything with it, it never has an issue. Well, it's not so good. He says, uh, about 30 seconds after trying to manipulate a photo, I get the spinning beach ball of death, and I have to force close the Photos app. I've run the built-in photos, database repair, and everything with the database appears to be fine. I'm sure a part of my issue is that I'm running on a late 2009 iMac, uh, with high Sierra, but my machine has 24 gigs of RAM and a 512 gig SSD. Everything but photos runs fine. Hence, I'm still using this dinosaur. Any thoughts on what might be going on? Okay, so you've run the internal DB repair. Um, you know, I hate to suggest this first option, John, but I'm going to. If you're an iCloud photo library user, the simplest slash shortest path 
might be to start a new photos database and then just wipe it, you know, let it repopulate from the cloud. I know that doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't even try to fix the problem, but it fixes the symptom and perhaps gets rid of the problem altogether. You know, instead of trying to find a needle in the haystack, let's just go build a new haystack to play in because Apple makes building that new haystack pretty straightforward. So, um, so, but the, the built in photos repair tool is a great place to start. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. Uh, I see Mr. Braun doing it right now, but um, we'll put a, we'll put a link in the show notes for that just so that everybody has it. The, the next thing to try when the internal repair tool doesn't work is power photos, uh, which is from fat cat software. It can do, Lots of things that photos can't. And one of those things is it can actually take your photos library, especially if you're not using iCloud photos, you might want to use this to essentially replicate that, that um, if you do have to create a new library, it can really almost automate the process. In fact, it can automate the process for you. So that's a good piece of third-party software to use. Um, We've got, we went through a little bit of this with, with John. And he said when the spinning beach and I asked him if he had left it overnight, like to see if it just needed to process some things because, you know, it is a slower machine photos. is a huge database of stuff. And he says he did. He left the spinning beach ball of death alone, went to bed when he woke up in the morning, it was gone. And photos, he says, appears now to be working. Okay. A little sluggish, but no beach ball. So progress. You know, maybe feels like progress, smells like progress, could be progress. Uh, He says, I do notice something interesting at the bottom of the screen, though. Photos says uh, that he has 12,000 photos, 101 videos, which is fine. But under that, it says updating dot, dot, dot. Uh, He says it's been updating for numerous hours now. I'm not sure if this is related to my issue or, or not. But if the spinning beach ball comes back, he says, I'll try some other things. So this updating thing may well be indicative of a corrupt library. I went through this and we talked through it on the show uh, several months ago, maybe a year ago. I can't remember. Time is an abstract concept anyway. Mm. Um, well, <laughs> we, we shouldn't really get into that, right, John? I mean, we can, you know, like, is this time really the same for you as it is for me? I don't know. It's mm-hmm. weird. Um, but one, th- the thing that I found that helped sort of narrow this down is opening up Activity Monitor, John, and uh, double click on photos in activity monitor. And then when you do that, it brings up kind of the, the, the detail of the app. And I went to uh, memory statistics, or, sorry, go to the open files and ports tab and check to see what data, fo- what files scroll to the bottom of that and check to see what files photos is using when it's doing this update and it might not be just the photos app. You might want to look at, um, photo library D that's another one. Again, double click it, go to open files and ports, scroll to the bottom and take a look. If there is a photo file, you might see different photo files kind of appear and, and fall off this. What this open files and ports is, is it is a, an in speaking of time, an in chronological order from, most recently opened at the bottom to least, you know, open the longest time ago at the top, but it's everything that's open. Usually it's just files here, but if you open a, uh, an app that has network access, you'll also see network ports there, but the new stuff is added at the bottom. 
And if something is not like, like if it, if it closes something, it, it takes it off the list. So it's not a historical thing. It's what's currently open and essentially how long, you know, relative to the rest. If you see a, a photo or a video file, that's what I was finding at the bottom. That's just open forever. And again, this might be in photos or it might be in photo library D uh, that's indicative of that file being potentially damaged on your local machine. I found a few photos, uh, actually a few videos, old like 3GPP cell phone videos that I took with like a, you know, Razor phone or something mm. back in the day. And I found a few of those that were not doing the loop-de-loop -loop conversion right. And by pulling the local copies of those out, uh, it fixed some of them. And then I had to go on iCloud.com slash photos, John, and delete them from there too. And then things like freed up and everything was fine and all of that good stuff. So, um, and I haven't had a problem since. So sometimes digging in there again, looking in activity monitor, either in photos or photo library D in the open files import section. So I know it's a geeky place to start, but we're geeks and it's a handy little troubleshooting thing for a lot of things, not just photos. So I thought it was good to mm -hmm. share. What do you think, man? Yeah, the, the, in the article that talks about the repair tool, um, uh, it actually says, if you repair a library that's automatically updated with iCloud Photos, the entire contents of the library re-updates with iCloud after the repair process completes. Mm. So I think that's why we're seeing the uh, updating. <clears throat> uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Again, you can, you can see why you're seeing the updating message, right. By going into activity monitor. And if the, if the, you know, whatever the active photo is or video is at the bottom, if that's changing regularly, then everything's fine. It is doing just what John's saying. Like it's just going through and resyncing with what's in the cloud. And that's, that's totally normal after this. That's right. Yeah. So if it's changing, um, that's fine. Just make sure it's not looping on the same three things, you know, and you should be in good shape. So, yeah. You want to take us to Keith, my friend? I will take us to Keith. So, hold on, let me, let me bring this up here. Okay. All right. I wonder if you could offer some assistance. Over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed a recovered messages mailbox appearing in Mac Mail screenshot screenshot attached on my iMac running Catalina 10.15.6, which contains what are draft copies of emails I've sent. As I'm typing this, I can see new versions appearing in that folder every minute or so. Drafts is updating normally. As I type this, I can see one message in there. Depending on how long it takes me to compose an email, I can end up with many, many messages in the recovered messages mailbox. If I delete the folder, come back, it comes back again. Yeah, great. Nice. Uh, so I run Onyx with the rebuild mail index option, but it's made no difference. I also tried selecting my inbox and my drafts folder and choosing mailbox rebuild from the menu, which also made no difference. If I cancel the message and don't save it, it disappears from drafts, but I still have multiple copies left in recovered messages. This is happening with every single email I sent from my .me. Ooh, that's a golden oldie. Uh, .me account. Um... All right, so um, Apple has some advice. So if you if you search on the help uh, from Apple uh, about uh, re recovered messages, yeah, 
uh, they say what Keith had already did, which is rebuild the mailbox. Okay, so he did that. That's their advice. Um, and then he did the Onyx thing, which uh, that, that sounds like a good thing to do as well. Um, here is the place I, one place I thought we should start, but it didn't do it. I'm like, well, what if you disable mail in uh, internet accounts? Oh, like the your iCloud. Yeah. Oh. Or, dis or uncheck mail. Now, I wasn't sure if that would delete the mail. My suspicion here is that the mail data uh, was corrupt and that it needed to be re-indexed. And I think that eventually was uh, the case here. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, why don't you disable, you know, mail um, and see what happens? And it, while it, it'll delete it immediately from within mail and that you won't see your iCloud email anymore within mail... The data is still there. So that's the path that we took. So Okay. That makes sense. Where does so where does one look? Um, and the place that you look is so I was like, well, let's, you know, let's manual uh, how about manually deleting that data? Um, and then something will re-index it and everything will be great. Um, the thing is, where is that mail data? And here's where it is. It's in your user your home directory, library, mail, v7, and then, unfortunately, in the past, this used to have, like, a human-readable name. Now it's just a big string of uh, uh, hex, which okay. is unfortunate. So you got to look at each one of those and see what mailboxes are in there, and you should be able to figure out which one is your iCloud account. Um, that is the way to do it, like opening the folder and looking to see what the names of the mailbox folders are and, and cross-referencing that. Yeah. I wish there was a better mm -hmm. way, but that I, I agree with you. That's the way to do it. Yep. Um, here's what Keith did, and he was able to resolve it. So uh, hats off. So rather than deleting that folder of the mail messages, um, he quit mail and he renamed it. I'm like, oh, that's clever. <laughs> um, Solves the same thing without without deleting anything. I like right. it. Right. So he so he renamed that to blah 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 dot old or something. And then what happened is the next time mail started up, it's like whoops, you know, there's uh, there's no local copies of this. Uh, so let me let me grab all of that. And I think uh, initiating that process cleaned up whatever index was damaged. I think that was the problem. Uh, but so far, he says it hasn't happened again. Interesting. So, so sometimes you got to dig in and he did both options in Onyx as well. That was the other thing. They have rebuild mail docs and I think delete or rebuild index and delete index. Okay. Huh? So in this case, redownloading all of the mail and then whatever index it does. That, that was the other suggestion, but we didn't need to go there was there's also uh, in that path, a mail data folder. And within that, Dave are uh, envelope index files. Okay. Which I, that's what um, Onyx one. That's one of the things Onyx will blow away okay. for you is that. Yeah. 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 I'm looking just to see. So V7. Uh, open up a mailbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Wait, I'm not seeing mail data. Oh, not inside the mailboxes, but just in the, like the V7 folder itself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, yeah. Those envelope indexes with, um, with the, the, there's three files, but really it's, it's all it, those three files make up the SQL light database. Somebody explained it to me once there's mm -hmm. SHM, which is shared memory and WAL, which is right ahead log. I want to say that's what my brain wants to say. I think it's, I think it's right. Or at least I think that's what I was told, but mm -hmm. that that's your, that's the SQL light database that manages all your mail and, and yeah, quit mail, blow that away, all three of those away and then relaunch it um, is often the key, but not always as, as um, Keith found. So interesting. Yep. Interesting. So, uh, sometimes you got to, Get underneath the covers in order to solve a problem like this. So that may be the answer to Tom's problem, which is next here. Uh -huh. uh, All right. But, but unfortunately the steps are going to be different because he's doing this on his phone, not on his Mac. All right. So he says, since the iOS 14 update on my iPhone, my mail app is out of control. Every time I open it now, it's downloading 1500 or more emails. I have no choice but to select all and delete because I'm not going to go through that many emails. What's going on? Um, he says that uh, the emails that it keeps downloading are from Apple servers and they are old emails that I've previously deleted. And this is the second day with iOS 14. The first day mail downloaded over 2,500 of them. The second day, 1,500. I can't get it to stop. He says, uh, I also have Comcast email and Apple's iCloud email and one, con you know, consolidated inbox. So, so he may be having the same problem. Um, if he is, unfortunately, you can't just go in with iOS files manager and blow away the, you know, that part of things. So we found that even when you remove a mail account from iOS, it does not delete that folder, right? I mean, it's the same thing. That folder does exist, but you, it doesn't delete it, at least not right away. The only way to sort of force delete that folder is to turn off the mail account, back up your iPhone, restore your iPhone, and then it will rebuild that folder. Mm -hmm. So that folder is not included in the backup, which kind of sucks to be honest, but that would be the way to approximate that same solution you offered and worked with Keith. In, before we do that, though, let's try a couple of things. Um, the first thing I would do is go to iCloud.com slash mail and see what it says, because that's the server. In theory, that's like the master version of the truth. And if all those messages are still there, then what your phone is doing is absolutely correct. It's just you have a sync problem because when you're telling it to delete on your phone, it's not deleting on the server. So I would go look there first. And see if you can get them in sync with each other, because that's step one. If they're not, you're going to constantly be banging your head against this particular problem. Um, and then the second thing, John, you know, I, I, it would be hard to do this with iCloud Mail, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, is, is Mail set up to do IMAP and not POP? Because the type of mm. behavior that I'm seeing reminds me of when we were connecting using pop accounts because IMAP just syncs with the server. And in theory, both should show the same thing at all times, or at least when they've had the opportunity to sync. Whereas pop just downloads everything that it sees 
regardless of what the server is telling it. And then it doesn't, I mean, it can do deletes and things on the server, but it's not a synced set of databases. So th mm. this sounds like pop, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I don't know how you would, I don't even know if that's possible with iCloud, but I'm not entirely certain that the problem is iCloud because he said his Comcast email comes into the same inbox. So I would, I would narrow that down and look and make sure that you're not getting this from Comcast because in days of old, we definitely used pop to connect with our Comcast accounts before Comcast let us do IMAP. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I, you know, curious about how to narrow it down, checking the server. And if it is your Comcast account, check the Comcast server. Cause you can go online to comcast.net or xfinity.com or I forget how to get there, but you can go there and check your mail. One of those URLs or probably either of those URLs will eventually lead you to where you can see its version of your mail online. Check that. That's, that's kind of where I'd go. And then yeah, if worse comes to worse, if the server is right, but your phone just keeps insisting on doing it wrong, back up, Mm. wipe restore i think that'll get you there again i i hate that these are my answers to these questions backup wipe restore but apple creates mm. these little walled gardens john and it's kind of how we have to deal i guess i don't know what do you think yeah i've never had to never had to do that on my ios device that's so, good um, that makes me happy that that's good yeah i've um I've had to do it uh, a few times, unfortunately, but you know, that's how it, that's how we learn. That's how we are able to help you and do this show and all of that good stuff. John, I, um, I want to, uh, it's time we're talking about iOS 14. So let's get in, let's dig in. I want to share all of our tips and things that we found and the PSA that actually we both independently found be, uh, because that's mm -hmm. how we, that's how we roll here. The first thing that I want to do, though, is I want to talk about our first two sponsors as long as is that OK with you. We, uh, we're, we're wrapped up with this. Awesome. All right. What are you doing with your server these days? You want to set up your own VPN server? You want to set up your own WordPress server? You want to set up a Tor relay? You want to set up, you know, Minecraft server? Right. These are the fun things that you can do with a server. I know we're we're geeks here. We enjoy these fun things. And that's why we like hosting our stuff with people that are geeks about servers. And our next sponsor, Linode, here is exactly that. You go to linode.com slash MGG and that gets you a $20 credit to get started with Linode. And you can spin up a server uh, that'll run all month for five bucks a month. So, you know, there's math to do, but it's essentially free because you get your $20 credit at linode.com slash MGG. All of their servers have native SSD storage. They're all on a really fast 40 gigabit network. Uh, they've got worldwide data centers, 10 plus of them. It's like, it's crazy. Pay for what you use with hourly billing. If you want to do it that way, or like I said, just spin it up and, and leave it up, you know, and then they bill you monthly. It's just how it works. They've got a great cloud manager, so you can set all this stuff up just on your own. You don't have to know how to use the terminal, but of course, if you like to, go ahead. So go check it out. Go to linode.com slash MGG, spin up a server, have some fun. It's a good little fall project to do. Our thanks to Linode for sponsoring this episode. You know, these days are... Houses aren't just our homes. There are offices and there are schools and there are movie theaters. They are our restaurants and, you know, all these activities and more put a strain on our Wi-Fi big time. When we were all here in the house this summer, 
with, you know, even before the summer, but even over the summer, the kids had jobs and stuff and were doing different things, but you know, they were doing a lot of zoom calls. We were all doing that stuff and it puts a strain on our Wi-Fi. I was very thankful that I was able to, you know, set up a Euro here in the house and it was fine. Like nobody ever had a problem. And that's how mesh is supposed to work because Eero was really, they were the first ones to get mesh Wi-Fi right for the home. And as we talk about on this show all the time, experience and maturity of the platform is the biggest differentiator here because sure you can set up, you know, your mesh in a lab, which is what I'm sure they do. And then when you roll it out to customers, you start learning what it actually is going to be like. And then you can tweak it and make it better and better. And because Eero has been doing this for so long, they've been able to tweak and make it better and better and better. And that's what you want. You don't want dropouts. You don't want weird spots in the house that don't quite get enough Wi-Fi. And this is what Mesh is supposed to do for you. And this is what Eero does for you. So you can be on a work call. The kids can be remote learning. Somebody can be streaming videos all at the same time. And nobody experiences any buffering or any issues. And you get to manage Eero from the little app on iOS or Android, if you like. Super easy. You know, it, it, we are, we're asking a lot of our Wi-Fi, and Eero can help yours do more. It gets even better. Go to Eero.com slash MGG and enter our code MGG at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's E-E-R-O.com slash MGG, code MGG at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. One more time, Eero.com slash MGG, code MGG, and our thanks to Eero for sponsoring this episode. All right iOS 14, John, this is where we're going with this. Um, one of my favorite new features is no surprise. Where is it? Where is it buried in accessibility? Right. So I, I know Apple puts stuff in accessibility to help people. Uh, but clearly like they're very committed to that. All like they're committed to that. I was going to say almost as much as I, I would say on the same level as privacy, right? They very much uh, into it. However, I also think Apple uses the accessibility place to store like advanced or labs features and things like that, that, you know, they want to roll out, but they don't want to make first class citizens like dark mode, you know, it went through a lot of inter <clears throat> excuse me, iterations, but they were all inside of accessibility until they weren't. And this new one back tap. So if you go into uh, settings, John, you go to accessibility, you go to touch at the bottom of that list is back tap and back tap is exactly what it sounds like, which is crazy. You can do, you can set options for back tapping two or three uh, times and you can set it to do all kinds of things. I've my, my son set his up, which I really liked to have a double tap scroll down and a triple tap scroll up. Now, when I say a triple tap I, I'm and a double tap, I'm really talking about simply tapping your finger on the back of your iPhone. It's it like why Apple is able to detect this in a reliable way. I mean, I, I assume they're using the accelerometer, but I don't know. Y you know, like wh whatever it is they're using, it works. And I haven't had it false fire. I've been using scroll down for for one of them. And then the triple tap I used to bring up. Um, notification center. Cause I always forget which, uh, side of the screen. I know it's the left side, but my fingers forget. And I wind up in control center more often than not. 
And sometimes I just want to see old notifications. And so I do that. And then I can double tap and scroll down and notification center. You can use it to trigger shortcuts too. So it, it like Apple has probably a list of 15 or 20 different things that you can do from, like I said, the scrolling, you can bring up the home button. You could bring up control center, all kinds of things. And then also you can have it trigger any of your shortcuts. So truly unlimited options with this thing. It's a pretty cool thing. So have you messed with Backtap yet, John? No. Okay. All right. Um, you, you, you got anything? I'm, I can go for a long time. I've got lots of different things. Oh, I got a big list here. Okay, um, great. Go. Uh, control Center has some new, uh, uh, they call them controls. Okay. I want to call them widgets because that's something else. Yeah, right. <laughs> but in Control Center, I noticed that a couple of new ones showed up. Um. So one is, and it was like a little RF symbol. And I'm like, oh, what is that? NFC tag reader. What? So there's now an NFC tag reader control. Oh, man. Yeah. So if you go to general, uh, 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 if you go to um, control center, yeah, look, settings look at the list of uh, widgets. Yeah. Huh. So there's a NFC. So it added an NFC tag reader. Ooh, like, okay. I don't know that it, I'm not seeing an NFC tag reader. If I go to settings control center, is that coming from a third party app of yours? Perhaps. Uh, maybe uh, I don't see NFC reader in, if I, I'm on yeah. my iPhone. So settings control center. Yeah. So I is you go there. there. You do not. Hmm. I is there. I do not see NFC reader. Huh? Yeah. Oh, I got one. I, I, I bet it's from a third party app. Maybe they, maybe they were able to add it through some magic of iOS 14. Like when you launch it, what app does it launch? Uh, it doesn't. It just, it just says NFC reader and, uh, you know, so tap it now. NFC tag reader, hold near tag. That's all. Huh. That's all it says. And I'm like, oh, well, do I have an NFC tag? Well, you kind of do, but it has to be a, a certain uh, type of one. But I remember I got some uh, uh, from CES. I have an NFC tag that's programmed with a, a URL uh, from itag.com. Interesting. And I guess go there and buy more if you want to. But yeah, so when I held it up to this tag... It basically brought me to the URL that was encoded in the tag and brought it up in the browser. So, huh? Yeah. So if you have some NFC tags, um, <coughs> somebody, yeah, somebody in the chat be. room at live.macgeekab.com is saying that they've got it. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm just looking to make sure I'm not missing something, but okay. Yeah. Great. Maybe you're on an iPhone eight, right? Or an iPhone yes. SE. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huh? Oh, maybe it's because I have the iTag app installed. Maybe it's uh, yeah. Maybe, that's why. maybe yeah. Interesting. All right. What else you got? Um. Yeah. So uh, what what was the other one I had here? Yeah, wallet. It's like yeah, that's kind of useless. But then here's here's a neat one that you can add. Uh, our friend Jeff was posting about this too. Sound recognition. Yeah. Uh. So I played with that and actually I turned on last night and you know, I'm, I'm near the, uh, the fire, the police and everybody. And one thing it can tell you is when it, here's a siren. 
<laughs> yeah. And it did that like twice that evening. So, uh, so that was kind of neat, but it can detect, uh, several different types of sounds. Uh, my son found in control center that if you add live, listen to control center, a long press on it now shows, um, headphone volume level and it'll tell you if your headphone volume level is within safe or unsafe parameters. Now this yes. was with his AirPods, So uh, I, I haven't tried it with third party headphones. I'm not sure if it's able to, to do the same thing, but yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I like this stuff. See, this is crazy. And I, I like actually having home kit right there in, uh, in control center, which is, which is also nice. So you mentioned widgets, John, and, um, I, I've, I've actually been having fun with widgets. I mean, I was using them on my test phone, but you know, it's, it's different when it's not your daily driver. Normally, of course, we would have installed the golden master of iOS 14 on our devices to have a week ahead of all of you. Uh, but you know, Apple didn't work it out that way. They, they put the golden master out what maybe, maybe 20 hours before they put the, the release out. So that was fun. Uh, but, um, but, you know, so like the smart stack is definitely a thing that I really like having on my on my phone's uh, first home screen because it shows me I've got a what they call the medium one, which is the, the wide one. It goes the full width of the phone. Now, I didn't understand at first why I would want maps in my default smart stack. But uh, if you have directions going, especially walking directions, they show up in that widget so you don't have to launch the maps app and see what's going on and all that stuff so I, I suppose that's nice but what's really cool is you can go into jiggly mode and edit the uh or actually not jiggly mode you just hold down on the on the stack long press on it and you can edit the stack you can control what order things are you can also delete things now you can also add things although it's not obvious because you can't do it there in order to add things to a smart stack, first create the smart stack, then get yourself into jiggly mode. In the upper left corner will be a plus key, hit that or a plus button, tap that. And then you see all of your widget options, drag in a widget that's the same size as whatever smart stack you've got and drag it on top of that smart stack and in it will go. So you can have third party widgets in there and it works out fine. And now, John. Speaking of third parties, have you messed with Widget Smith? This is freaking awesome. So it's uh, it's definitely an out of uh, out of order cool stuff found because you can create your own widgets of all various sizes and really customize things. They have, you know, different fitness things. They've got different calendars. They've got, you know, all sorts of things in there. And, uh, and you can customize them and then, and then of course drop those widgets in and you can create, I don't know if there's a limit, but it feels like an unlimited number of, of widgets in widget Smith. Um, it, it is a, uh, freemium app. So some things you can do actually quite a few things you can do just with the, you know, the version that you would download for free. And then if you want sort of the real time data that, that it would be pulling from elsewhere, you, uh, you pay, it's like 20 bucks a year or something for the subscription. And then, and then you can do, you know, you can do all kinds of things with it, but yeah, they've got calendars. You can, you can really customize photos and which photos you would have in there. Reminders, very cool weather stuff, tides, astronomy. So yeah, 
like moon phase. I really like moon phase. I got to make a moon phase one. Hang on, John. I got to do the moon phase here in Durham. Okay, good. All right, there we go. Tap to rename moon phase and boom, there it is. And now I have a moon phase widget, which I can add to my smart stack. And now I'm in jiggly mode and boom, it's added. Like it's that simple to just add things. I love this. So much fun. So yeah, you got to check out widget Smith. That's it's freaking amazing. So, okay. Speaking of widgets, um, the one that I thought was kind of neat is the uh, battery one. Now at first, when you look at it, it's like, yeah, so what, you know, it's it shows a little ring and has a percentage in it and all that. And I'm like, so I wonder if I can get the battery reading from something other than the phone itself. And at least in my case, I was, so I have, um, some Plantronics uh, Bluetooth uh, earbuds. Yeah. And once they connected, it showed the battery level for them as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. So for the phone, so how do you tell the difference? So the, the one for the phone, it shows like a little tiny phone in the middle. Yeah. And for the headphones, it shows a little headphone icon. So you know what you're uh, seeing. Nice. So, so I thought that was kind of neat. Now, I was trying to add other things. I thought that whatever is connected via Bluetooth is what it would show in that. I wasn't able, hmm. I was like, well, can I see the battery level on my computer then? And even when I connected the two, uh, the phone and my MacBook via Bluetooth, yeah, which you can do, right, um, it's, right. it still didn't show the battery level of, uh, of my hmm. MacBook. So I don't know why it didn't. Yeah. Right. It showed it of the uh, earphones. Interesting. So, that was kind of neat. Speaking of earphones, John, the spatial audio that you can do with AirPods Pro, I, I don't use my AirPods Pro a whole lot. I, I have mm. them, uh, like they live in my travel bag. It, they're fine as like an alternative. They don't, I, I always have trouble getting them to like seal in my ears the right way. So I just usually mm. don't mess with them. It's not, they're not terrible for me, but I've, as I've said on the show many times, I've found lots of other vendors of, of uh, earbuds that, that work better for me. However, the spatial audio thing is freaking amazing. Like, you know, normally when you have, uh, you know, when you're listening to an audio source on your earbuds, you have your phone in front of you or your iPad, whatever it is, and you're looking and you're like watching. Okay, great. The sound that's, you know, in front of you is in front of you. And then when you turn your head to the right or to the left, the center of the sound moves with your head because that's just how that works because the earbuds are in your head. When you turn on spatial audio, that does not happen. The center of the audio stays where the screen is and it's freaking magic. It's really cool. And I could see where uh, like watching on an airplane or something, it might really make that experience a lot more. I mean, it would make it more immersive anywhere, but having that available to you on like an airplane where you're sort of trapped for a while, um, I could see it really helping to to give you give your brain the illusion of not being as trapped as you are, uh, you know, on an airplane, because it, it creates that that sort of more open uh, vibe. It's very interesting. I, I'm I, I yeah, I, I wish there were more comfortable um, AirPods for me to use. I realize AirPods are comfortable for many of you, and that's that's great. I'm I'm stoked for you. Thanks. Um, but they're not for me. So, but again, I lead a charmed life. I have lots of options. I just don't have lots of options with spatial audio. So, you know, picky. I want it all, John. Cake. <laughs> I want to eat it. 
It's right there. It's delicious. John, you found a PSA, my friend. Yeah. We both, both we did. both did, as it turns out. <laughs> um, and I'll give a little uh, uh, a fish shake because mm-hmm. I don't think the way this was deployed is correct and that it's going to cause problems. So uh, they added it. So I installed iOS 14 and then my phone joined my wireless network. And then all of a sudden I got a notification from my thing box saying, ah, new devices on the network. I'm like, it's not new. Right. You know, you know about it. You've seen it <laughs> and I think before. He, and, and the Eero said the same thing. So they were both under the impression it was a new device. Why is that, you ask? Well, it's due to a new feature that they added um, called a private address, which so, down deep in, uh, in every device is something called a Mac address or media access control. And it's a big, long hexadecimal thing. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So 12 characters. Um, what private address does is randomizes it. <clears throat> now, the, the, the excuse or, or the reason they say is that it makes it less likely that people can track you because when you connect to a network, the MAC address is one piece of information that is used at a low level to make sure, you know, to find out who, who you need to talk to or who is talking to you. Um, but here's the problem. If that's randomized, a, a lot, it, this feature will break some network features. For example, like if you want to reserve DHCP address, well, that's based on the MAC address of your device. So if it's randomized, you're not going to get the reserved address, which my phone didn't. <laughs> right. Um, also, if that's randomized too much, uh, a lot of the MAC address, the first several characters of it actually indicate the vendor who owns that block. And if that's too different, then a lot of uh, network products won't know who made you. It, yeah, you're you're right. I think I think it shows up as an Apple device. Like I think this this range is reserved to Apple, but maybe not. You might be right about that. And if that's the case, then yeah, that makes it even worse because if we talk about a lot of these mesh products profile the the vendor and type of device that's connected in order to decide how to interact with them best on a mesh system. Cause not everyone em- employs the mesh standards the same way. So yeah, the good news about this is that you, it is it, the bad news is that it's on by default for every network you join. The good news is that you can turn it off on a per network basis. So I very highly recommend you, you uh, follow John's suggestion, go into settings Go to Wi-Fi, choose your home's network and tap the I uh, next to it and turn off private address for your home network. This could also, depending on how many devices you have, having this on, meaning every time your phone rejoins the network, it's coming up with a new MAC address, could fill up your DHCP reservations, depending on how quickly you're coming on and off the network. That's a bit of a, I, I, it's possible, but I don't want to like, you know, uh, call, you know, chicken little. And it's not, it's, that's not the worst of these problems. Most people probably wouldn't run into that, but it will start to fill up your DHCP entry list 
uh, until those expire out and then it would be fine. Yeah. So, but and I'm I'm looking here and yeah, so the so I got a email from the thing box saying, "Hey, I see somebody new and yeah. here here's some of the info." I looked up the first six characters of the MAC address that it detected and it comes up and says no vendor exists. No vendor. Okay. So it doesn't know that it's an Apple device. That's even worse. Yeah. Now here's the weird thing. No, but it does know. So I don't know how it knew. Maybe it knew because it saw it before or there's another address that it's looking at. Sure. Well, maybe the device says, go ahead. Yeah. Hmm? I was going to say maybe the device, Apple iPhone eight. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it knows that it's an iPhone eight. That's interesting. Huh? All right. Well then that, 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 that skips that profiling thing, but still like at home, you don't need this. I like, I like this feature. I don't like, like you said, mm-hmm. it's Apple's deployment of this. That is no bueno. I have not looked to see if this can be tweaked in a, uh, like a profile. So if, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're joining a corporate network, can the profile that you are assigning to your users contain a, please don't use private addresses for this network mm-hmm. uh, on the, you know, on the thing so that we know it's the same one. Honestly, this is going to run into problems. A lot of the public Wi-Fi networks where you have to authenticate yourself. I notice it at the university of New Hampshire all the time. When I join the first time in the hockey season, I go, it's like, hey, we don't recognize your phone because they've wiped their list or it's expired out. And it's like, oh, yeah, got it. OK, so I go through and I put my email address in and yada, yada, yada. And it, it it's fine. And then next week when I show up to see a hockey game, it just joins the Wi-Fi network there at the WIT, the, the, the arena. And it's not a problem. Well, if it's doing private addresses, I guarantee you it's going to be a problem. And I'm going to have to go through this rigmarole of, you know, the email and click the link in the whole yada yada. It's not so bad once a season. It would be terrible every uh, every time I go watch a hockey game. Again, I, I say terrible. First world problem, terrible. But but, you know, again, it, it's just one of these features that that the deployment of it. I, I like that. I like that classification of the problem, John. All right. Um I'm, uh, speaking of network, another thing yeah. that I noticed yeah. is just, it's a feature um, you may want to be aware of. Uh, at first I was like, why is this app asking for this? So mm. I got a dialogue when I tried to run my Chase app. Okay. Because um, I have, have sure. a bank with Chase along with lots of other people. I got a notification that said, Chase would like to connect to devices on your local network. I'm like, um, no. <laughs> um, but if you go to settings, privacy, local network, you're going to see the apps that have asked for this permission. So one app that I gave permission to was um, the Eufy app because I wanted to talk to the doorbell that's on my local network. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Chase, I, uh, I don't see why the Chase app needs to be talking to other things on my network. So I said no. Sure. Yeah. And I think you can manage that. Like if you make a decision that you later regret, Mm -hmm. right. I think you can go into settings, privacy, local network and you'll see. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Like for example, I currently have Facebook turned off for my local network 
It, that makes mm -hmm. me feel like I'm in control <laughs> of uh, Facebook's ability to know everything about me when, in fact, I know mm -hmm. that that's not true. Highly recommend watching The Social Dilemma. As I've, as I've been saying, it's one of those movies where you won't even be tempted to pick your phone up. It's so good. I mean, mostly you won't be tempted to pick your phone up because everything they're telling you in the movie is going to scare the crap out of you mm -hmm. about what happens every time you pick your phone up. But there you go. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're Apple users. I'll say that doesn't make things perfect because we still choose to give our data to other people, but at least it's not happening quite mm -hmm. so automatically. I like the inline replies and messages that is proving to be great. It's, it's frustrating that that's not yet available on my Mac. That's the one part where it's like the disconnect there, but, but it's coming right when, when we get big Sur. and Oh, another PSA, which I'm guessing is going to be fixed real soon. Now, you now have the ability to customize what apps run for mail and browser links, right? Mm -hmm. So it used to be that it had to be mail and Safari. Now it doesn't have to be. You go into settings for like, for example, if I go into settings and then choose Firefox, uh, I will see the ability to change my, uh, my default browser right there it's just it, it's an option that says default browser app and you can choose from there and i've got four options because i have four browsers on my phone i've got firefox DuckDuckGo, chrome and safari and you can choose your own which is great there seems to be a very consistent issue with this john if you reboot your phone it defaults back to mail and safari so it's not actually saving this in a way that it can pull it back up when it when it reboots but that's an i would assume I, I, I hate saying that's an easy fix when I have truly no idea if it's an easy fix or not. But I'm guessing this is one of those relatively easy fixes that we'll see in the next build of, of iOS 14, which it looks like will be iOS 14.2. It looks like they're skipping over 14.1 in the in the beta cycle, John. My guess, the general consensus on this uh, is that. 14.1 is what they have ready for the new iPhones. And so that's what they're using to test those. And then everything jumps to 14.2. So there you go. Um, TVOS 14, John, a cool thing in oh. there. Um, first of all, okay. Oh, are we done with iOS? I didn't know. I don't know. Are we done with iOS? Maybe we're not. Um, you tell me a few other things. Okay. Yeah, go. I want to mention, um, there's now some handy indicators to let you know when your camera or mic is on. If you see a little green dot, that means your camera is on. Ah, yes. If you see a little yellow dot, that means your mic is on. Nice. So, and I, yeah, yeah. And you may have noticed that. Or I noticed that, like, when I was playing one of my games, it accesses the camera at some point. And I'm like, oh, there's a little dot along with the image that it's taking. Nice. So that's kind of neat. Nice catch. That's good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What else? Speaking of cameras, um, settings, camera, mirror front camera. Um, you can flip the image so that it may make more sense to you, right? Oh, interesting. Okay. And that's new. That wasn't there before. Is that right? Right. Interesting. As far as I know. Interesting. Um, uh, let's see. Cool. Another one. If you dig down and uh, dig down into multiple layers of like settings and stuff, sometimes you're going to get 
like buried like down a number of levels. Yeah. Um, new and 14 from, yeah, I read a few articles. Uh, new and 14 is if you hold down on it, it'll show you the breadcrumbs to get you back to the top. You used to be able to do this, or I think Safari always supported this feature, but now it looks to be OS oh. wide that you get the breadcrumbs to go up levels in things other than Safari. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I like that. That's great. Breadcrumbs being just, of course, showing your history yeah. of how you got to where you are to mm -hmm. go back. Yeah. I like it. Good. Right. Um, this is new on both iOS and Mac OS. Um, I don't know if you got Safari 14, Dave. Yes, that's right. Safari 14 uh, is available at least back to Mojave, if not further. Mm-hmm. Uh, one nice feature that I noticed in this, uh, uh, third-party products use, uh, do this as well, but now Safari itself does it. Uh, you get a privacy, or, uh, let me see, a privacy report. And there's also, um, you'll notice there's a new badge in the top, and if you click on it, it'll say, oh, um, by the way, I blocked these trackers. Yeah. So there's tracker blocking in the browser now. And I think they're leveraging DuckDuckGo's technology to do that. Is, is what it looked like from some of the about information. But yeah, no, it, that's great. I'm, I, I've been running Safari 14 now on my machines, you know, since it came out this week and it's been fine. I haven't mm -hmm. had any issues. So, yeah. This one I think is questionable. Um, settings, general, FaceTime, eye contact. Okay. It'll make it look like you're paying attention when you're not. <laughs> What? <laughs> Try it out. <laughs> Interesting. All right. I got to mess with that. Huh. Okay. <laughs> See, this is what like, I love about this. So, this so it's kind of, <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, you know, the putting like a, you know, little, little, uh, you know, fake, uh, fake eyes on your glasses or something to make it look like you're not sleeping in class when you actually are. Nice. <laughs> so this is for the digital age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. Give your... Huh. All right. Nice find. Yeah. This is, th these are the things I love. You got anything more? Or is it time to move on? That's yeah. That's yeah, what I you got. I think we're good. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I do want to talk about TVOS uh, and I've got some watchOS things and then we've got more to talk about here. Uh, the next thing I want to do though, because I'm really excited about what they've done is talk about our next two sponsors as long as we're good, right? We're good, John? Yes. All right. Look, breaking up with your old wireless provider just got a whole lot easier thanks to Mint Mobile. As you know from listening to the show, we've been using it for a while here. It works. We've tested it all over the country. The service is great. It's fast. It's all of that. And as you also know, they were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. And now Mint Mobile is introducing their unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks a month. Let that sink in. Unlimited, 30 bucks. How much is your soon-to-be X wireless provider charging you? Think about that, right? If you've got four phones on a family plan even, right? So that's, you know, with Mint Mobile, it's 30 bucks a phone. So there you go, 120 bucks. Uh, your provider's charging you more than that. I know, because that's how it works. I've seen it. I get the bills too. This is what you want to do. And of course, with Mint Mobile... 
you get to pick the plan you want for each of those phones, right? So unlimited for you, maybe a you know tiered plan for somebody that doesn't use uh, you know a whole lot of data or whatever. You get to control it because that's how it works. And you know by going online only and eliminating all the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes those significant savings on to you. That's how they're able to do this. Of course, all plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G networks. Yes, you heard that right. Mint is 5G. They're also LTE and all that stuff, so they support it all. And you use your own phone. You keep your own same phone number and all your existing contacts. Mint Mobile, of course, they're Apple folks there, so things like visual voicemail and all that stuff on your iPhone totally work. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile's got you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So, to get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash MGG. That's mintmobile.com slash MGG. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to 30 bucks a month. Unlimited. 30 bucks At mintmobile.com slash MGG. Our thanks to Mint Mobile. For sponsoring this episode. We're sitting on our couches a whole lot more, aren't we? <laughs> you know, we're home. We're uh, maybe even grabbing the laptop and doing a little work on the couch. We're certainly sitting and watching movies and other shows, you know, binging all our favorite stuff with our, uh, you know, family or our pets or whatever it is. And you want that couch to be comfortable, but you also want it to be practical and versatile. And this is where Burrow, our next sponsor, comes in at burrow.com slash MGG because you can get $75 off their perfect sofas. And the reason it's perfect is because there are over 23,000 ways to customize their sofa for you, right? That's how you make it. You pick your fabric color, you pick your leg finish, you pick your armrest style, the pick the length. You can add a chaise lounge or an ottoman or both. And newly now, their iconic Nomad collection of sofas and sectionals is now available in five shades of performance velvet. You got it. That's right. Velvet. It's their most glamorous upholstery option yet, but it's still durable and stain resistant. Speaking of stain resistance, when I was talking to them about all this stuff, they told me that it's like they've spilled wine on theirs and been able to get it out. No problem. Of course, it's, you know, totally fine with pets and all that stuff. And it's so cool because you can just swap it out. They've got built in USB chargers in their couches. That's pretty good for us geeks, right? And they say you can assemble a three-seat sofa in like 10 to 15 minutes. So you got to check it out. Like I said, get $75 off your Burrow purchase, plus fast and free shipping at Burrow.com slash MGG. Check out the site for details, of course. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash MGG for $75 off. Our thanks to Burrow for sponsoring this episode. All right. TVOS, John, I actually learned two things about TVOS this week that that sort of matter to me. First, I had no idea that in iOS 13, we got control center in TVOS. Uh, didn't know. I don't know that there's anything there I would need to use, but it is there. Uh, you hold, you long press the uh, TV button on the remote and control center swipes in from the right, which is kind of cool. But now... I might have a reason to use it because in iOS 14, there's a HomeKit icon in Control Center and I can see all of my cameras, not just iCloud, you know, special iCloud cameras, but all cameras, which is pretty amazing. Even in all the cameras that I have through hoobs that I just spent time setting up and all that, boom, I can watch them in glory on my 65 inch LG OLED screen that we talked about. I mean, it's like... 
it's awesome being able to scroll through and you just swipe and go through. It's actually a really nice interface for them. So I was pretty stoked for that. But it was hard to find. Like I had to dig. I knew it was there. And it was like, how do I? And then there was like, oh, go to Control Center. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, Control Center? No, no. Well, evidently, yes, it's there. So I was stoked about that. So hey, you uh, you have anything from uh, from iOS 14, from uh, TVOS 14 or whatever it is before no. we move on? Okay. No, I upgraded. It was kind of weird because the, the first time I tried to upgrade, um, you know, it was giving an estimate how long it would take to yeah. download it. Yeah. And I don't know if something was broken on the internet, but it was getting like into the hours, days, <laughs> like thousands of hours. Yeah. No, like, like thousands of hours. And, and the number was like getting bigger. And I'm like, okay, let's just stop this and try do it. Again. And do it then, later. then it worked. Okay. Okay. That's it took good. like two minutes. Yeah. I, when I did it, I was going to say it took like two minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so watch OS seven. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. If I did, was there anything in TV OS or we, can we move on? No, I noticed the, the same thing. I never knew that long pressing the TV button actually didn't anything. So yeah, it's cool. Um, watch OS seven. Uh, a few things in there. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, lots of new faces available to all of us, not just people that buy new watches. Um, I, I'm a, you know me, I'm, I like mechanical watches. So the new GMT face that they have, uh, I, I like, and, and they've got it by default in, in what in watch like horological circles is called the Pepsi colors, the blue and the red. Uh, Rolex has a GMT watch that they call the Pepsi Rolex because it's got the blue and the red. Um, I don't think they actually call it that at, at Rolex, but everyone else does. So I like that they put that in there. I like that they put like the Daytona face, the Chronograph Pro with the tachometer and everything in there that you can have on your watch now too. So I was pretty stoked about that. Um, the hand-washing timers was a thing that Apple talked about. This is not enabled by default. So if you want the hand-washing timers on, you go on your phone to the watch app, and then on the main screen for your watch is hand-washing. There are two options in there. One, you can go in and set the hand-washing timer. That's cool. Number two, even cooler in my opinion, is a reminder to wash your hands when you get back to the place you designate as home. That I find even smarter. Like, hey, you've been home. You haven't washed your hands. Like, that's a that's actually a pretty smart thing. So, uh, so that's uh, those are there. I have not messed with the sleep app yet, but I'm I'm kind of stoked about that. And ba you know, back to the faces. I like the idea of being able to share watch faces with uh, with people now because you know you spend time crafting the face and then you want to share it. So that's pretty good. So anyway, that's. That those are the things that excite me about watch OS. Really, it's the faces that that excite me. So, although the sleep tracking, I I, I need to get into the habit of I I don't like wearing a watch when I sleep. Even e and I know you know we mechanical watch people often will wear a watch when we sleep to make sure we keep it char charged. Listen to me, wound um, with an automatic watch, but I I don't do that either. I just bought a watch winder that I put over there. You know. It, I, it, I don't have to hear it from my bed and it winds my watch for me. So anyway, yeah, it's good. Any thoughts on, on uh, that before we, we talk about, I think we both came away from the Apple event with <laughs> one thing we wanted to talk about in the show. And John, mm -hmm. that is a new iPad air. <laughs> I like that new iPad air. Like that. Yeah. Thing blurs I have, go ahead. Yeah. I have the original iPad air, which, um, is 
underpowered and actually it won't even run i think it's running i think it can run ios 13 but that's the last os you're going to be able to run on that because it's just too wimpy so uh that caught my eye because you know it's a uh, like the original air uh it's a compelling price point yeah um, and there's lots of options and colors <laughs> yeah it's true that's right yeah 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 i don't know i think there's a blue one i don't know uh yeah. yeah, space gray, silver, green, rose gold, and sky blue. I think I may get the, mm, or that's I may cool. get the space gray. That's cool, man. Because it'll match all my other stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it starts getting boring. So you can use this on the iPad Air 2 and later. So I don't know which, if you, do you have the original Air? Is that right, John? Yes. Okay, yeah. got it. Yep, you're right that it won't go to iOS 14 or iPad OS 14. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That new, you know, as I, as I was watching the event and then I actually spoke at uh, the Princeton Mac users group that, that evening, which was great. We just did sort of a zoom call. It was very interactive and, uh, and I, it was, it was fun. It was a good thing to do that day. It was fun. But, um, but that new, that new iPad was kind of the thing that jumped out at me as like, wait a minute, this blurs the line between iPad pro and not pro, right? Because it it doesn't have face ID, but it does have that touch ID sensor in the oh yes, it, right in the in the in the sleep wake button, which I I think is a great place to put it. I I'm really stoked about that, and um, yeah, I I I I have the 10.9 inch iPad Pro, and uh, you know I'd been my both my kids have the newer, you know, bezel-less or much smaller bezel, no home button, uh, 11-inch iPad Pros that they use for school and love them. And so, I, you know, I've been thinking about, like, is the, you know, do I, when do I upgrade my iPad? It's, it, 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 honestly, the 10.9-inch runs fine for me, but, you know, it, at some point in time, it'll be time. And as I saw that air, like you, I was like, wait a minute, this might be my next iPad, like 0.1 inches different in size. And that's not terribly like, that's pretty good. It's bigger than what I got. And so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's interesting. What do you think, man? Um, the other thing that caught my attention, um, I'm just laughing because it, it almost seems like desperation here is that, um, they're now bundling. Uh, so Apple one is what they call it. Yeah. So the allow you bundle, uh, I, I was kind of laughing because I'm like, oh, this is a way to get people to subscribe to stuff that they otherwise wouldn't <laughs> and save some money uh, well, depending that's on, the key. on the choices that you make. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now I don't, I don't subscribe to a lot of the uh, things that are part of the package, you know, like Apple music and uh, what else I'm, I'm seeing here, Apple TV, uh, news plus, uh, I guess is all part of that. So yeah, depending what you pick. Um, but I may be, but I may be able to save money because it also includes a certain amount of iCloud, uh, storage space, right. Um, which I'm already paying for monthly. So I wonder if it would make sense financially. Well, you, you, it looks like you get a discount here, um, right? Right. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pretty stoked about Apple one. Um, I, you know, the, so, you know, we're on a family plan. We pay 15 bucks a month for, um, for Apple music. Uh, 
we paid 10 bucks a month, <clears throat> excuse me, for our iCloud storage, two terabytes of iCloud storage. And we're about to start paying five bucks a month for Apple TV plus, right? Like that there's, it's just a no brainer with, with all of them. I, we've really, really enjoying Apple TV plus. And so I, I have no doubt that we'd want to keep that. So there's 30 bucks that we're already going to spend. And now they're going to throw in news plus, which I've never really cared about, but okay, sure. The fitness plus thing, I, that is something I think we probably would have wound up trying regardless. Um, so, you know, getting even just those thrown in, it's like, ah, yeah, that's a no brainer. I mean, it for 30 bucks, we get what we would have, you know, everything we would have gotten at the same price. We would have gotten it plus this other stuff. I, I think it's actually pretty smart what they've, what they've done there. So yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm eager, eager to see, but you're right. It, it will allow them to boost their subscriber numbers without necessarily attracting direct subscribers for each of those services. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and the one funny thing about the presentation is why did Craig get two cameos? <laughs> Because he's Craig, man. It's how it's that works. What's so funny is that they're flying from one place to another, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, was that was that Hair Force One? Yep, that was him. Sure was. <laughs> yep. Because, I mean, you can't miss that hair. No, uh. no. He And he's <laughs> he's charismatic. Like, it, it was good to have him there, but but not taking up, you know, too much airtime. I, mm -hmm. I, I, thought, I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. All right. Uh, should we get to some cool stuff found here? I know we've got some time left, my friend. Um, oh, cool stuff found anything I'll else from up. the event? No. Okay, cool. No, I see they got different, you know, they, they got different watches with different features and an SE, yeah. which I guess is meant for, you know, budget conscious people. So yeah, yeah, I'll look at it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, um, it, yeah, it, yeah, there was lots. I, I figured we wouldn't go through every note from the event, just the ones that highlighted us. And like I said, you mm -hmm. and I very much saw the highlights from, uh, in that iPad air. So yeah, I thought that was good. That was good. All right. Um, you know, uh, Kurt actually, while I was doing the P mug thing, told us about a cool stuff found the BenQ screen bar. And we talk about our, our lights that we need for our cameras these days, the LEDs so that we have, you know, our faces lit by our, when we're on our zoom calls and all that stuff. Well, this, uh, it's a it's a it's a bar that goes across the top of your monitor. It can sit on top of your iMac. It can sit on top of just a, a generic monitor. It kind of sits up with a, a counterweight balance kind of thing, like most webcams do. It 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 sort of sits you know and and rests itself on the back of your screen. But what's cool is it's a bar that goes all the way across. It can light your keyboard and workspace and you get to control the brightness and the ambient light temperature and all of that stuff or the, the white point temperature, not the ambient temperature, but the white point temperature. And you, it will do auto dimming based on the ambient light. And then it will, you can angle it and light your face when you're on a zoom call, if you want. And they've got two versions of it. There's a $99 version that, uh, that, that kind of does its thing. And then there's, I think at 129, it, you USB it into your Mac and it, your Mac can actually do some control over it as well. So hmm. thanks for sharing that, Kurt. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I went to, I went, I, I mean, I, I did it from my computer. 
I went to the TechFluence event this week, which I thought was the best of these online con or online trade shows that I've been to yet. Uh, I think you went to some of it too, John, able to go like I was able to, there were like 20 vendors and you could pop in and out. And it was just like visiting people's booths because I could just go and chit chat. And, and they had sort of, you know, breakout sessions, not sessions, but it was like a four hour long thing, breakout sessions for each of the, the various vendors that I wanted to talk with. I saw like old friends at OWC and Western digital, and then some new friends. And, uh, actually it was an old friend that's repping a new company. Uh, the turtle beach rocket, Elo headsets. These are, um, head, you know, over the ear headsets. They've got some wireless, some wired, they start at like 49 bucks, but this is the gaming world of headsets spilling over into the PC world, both for gaming, but also for all of those zoom calls with the, you know, the drop down microphone and things like that. So I was really stoked to see them kind of coming into this world, uh, so haven't had a chance to test them out yet, but, but, you know, very cool to see them coming in at those price points and, and really, you know, starting to deliver for us. So I, uh, I'm excited about that. So any, uh, did you find anything at, at that event this week, John? Yeah, no. Well, one, I thought the, uh, so I think it's on 24 is the, uh, the software that they were using. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And then you would get, uh, I guess a customized URL. Um, cause so the one thing that, you know, at first I thought was kind of creepy, but you know, if I would go into a room, they'd be like, Oh, hi, John. And I'm like, how do they know I'm here? Oh, duh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cause that's part of the software. I, I didn't actually do any, uh, you know, two way audio video with anybody. I just kind of lurked. Oh, but, dude, um, you missed out. I, mm -hmm. I, I will say, no, seriously. It, you know, that, that experience of, of like when you and I go to these Pepcom events and things like that, that experience of, of going up to mm -hmm. the booth and talking with people, but also kind of being there while other people are talking, you know, cause there were other members, members of the press there too. It was very much that same thing. It was, like I said, it created that immersive experience and it was really nice to be able to connect with some, some folks that I haven't seen in a long time that I generally only get to see at events like this. So yeah, you missed out. I would, I would say on the next ones, absolutely, you know, dive into those rooms, say hi, you know, you can pop in and out as you, as you wish. So, yep. Did you see any, uh, any products at those that, 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 uh, uh, that jumped out at you? Oh, uh, one that caught my eye and I don't think I saw before. Well, no, I didn't because I found a press release here, but, um, this looked like an interesting combination of products. The, um, um, OWC. Uh, introduced the new Mercury Elite Pro Dual with three-port hub. I thought that was kind of an interesting combination of products there. What, what caught my eye is that uh, a picture of the back of it shows a little uh, selector where you can choose the RAID level of the drives yep. um, in the enclosure. So what's cool about that one is that it's USB-C, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they, they came out with the one at, at CES that was, uh, Thunderbolt and now they've got the USB-C version of this and mm -hmm. I, you're right. Like that, that being able to select the rate and all that, that's very cool. But what's even cooler is the fact that it's a USB-C thing. So what these are is it's a, a hub and a, a pair of drives hardware rated all in mm -hmm. one. 
And you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Thunderbolt, as you know, but the, the trick with Thunderbolt is that it ends the chain, right? When you put a drive on, that's the end of the Thunderbolt chain. Well, their Thunderbolt one does not. Cause it's got a Thunderbolt, uh, you know, hub in it essentially that, that mm-hmm. does allow pass through, but doing it with USB, if you don't need the speed of Thunderbolt and let's be realistic, most of us really don't. Most of us, you know, 10 gig USB is plenty. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you on this. I, I, I was actually very happy to see that product. So yeah, pretty good. Anything else on that before we keep moving here? Nope. Uh, let's keep moving. Okay, cool. Uh, Alan sends in his cool stuff found, uh, which I'm thinking I'll find somewhere here. Uh, well, I'm not, I, I thought I had saved it as an email, but I guess I didn't. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, he says, uh, you were talking about various different batteries. He said in my SUV, I keep a portable power bank, uh, with wireless charging and, jumpstart ability for my car and it's his is the types auto uh version of this and yeah i i keep a my charge one in my car uh that is a it's only a ten thousand milliamp hour battery which is what i think his was he says he says it's an eight thousand but the link i found is a 10 but but you don't need a ton of power you need a lot of cranking amps to jumpstart your car and having a mm-hmm. battery in your car to be able to jumpstart your car or charge your phone can be a handy thing. The trick is just, you know, remember to keep it charged and check it every six months or so to make sure. But yeah, that mm-hmm. great suggestion, Alan, and, and a good thing to have is, I mean, I was going to say, especially these days, but really any days, just being able to keep a battery in your car is a really good thing. So thanks for sending that in my friend. Good thoughts on that before we keep moving, John. Yeah, I got, I, I was surprised that how relatively small these are. I actually have one of these but it, it it's not just a bat but it's a it, it's a pretty heavy lead acid battery i guess but yeah it has enough but it also has an air pump and a, a light and a usb mm. charger and stuff but it but it's really huge and oh kind of unwieldy whereas these look you know these are tiny yeah <laughs> I, I mean really the the box like the battery itself is no bigger like you know about the size of an iphone maybe a little mm-hmm. maybe a big iphone you know what i mean um, the box for it's a little bigger cause it's got jumper cables in it. You know, I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're relatively well managed jumper cables, but still you've got to have, you know, something to clip onto wherever it needs to clip onto. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're small. They're easy. I'm, I, I think it's a great car accessory to have. So we've got links for two of them in the, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Steve, uh, it's, it says I've got a trio of cool stuff found for raspberry Pi products. So, uh, the, the, he says, I've been building a, a retro pie image for my arcade cabinet. And after all that work, I wanted to make sure I had a backup of the SD card in case of corruption. He says, raspberry Pi SD cards can notoriously fail unexpectedly while you can make image backups using arcane terminal commands, uh, like DD. He says, I've been looking for a GUI to do it. And then I found apple pie baker made by the same author of the great connect me now app. I used to mount my network shares, a previous CSF. He says, uh, apple pie baker is freeware and updated to support 64 bit and Catalina. It easily backs up all my pie images. And best of all, it can compress them afterward to minimize storage space of the image file. 
I've not found easy ways to compress Pi image files before. Compressing them makes them easier to reflash onto other SD cards in the future in case your new card doesn't quite exactly match the size of your original SD. Oh, that makes sense. That's smart. Yeah. Uh, he says, bonus CSFs. Uh, he says, flashing images back to an SD card can be done using the Apple Pie Baker app, as I mentioned, but I still personally like Belena Etcher. Yes, absolutely. Etcher is great for flashing all kinds of images. Uh, if you're ever going to set up, say, Linux on your Mac or anything like that, Etcher is your tool. Like this, I can't recommend this app enough. So thank you for reminding us of it, Steve. Great. He says, or the new Raspberry Pi Imager. He says, these are very user-friendly, and the Raspberry Pi Imager app is the official app from the Pi organization. Its best feature is that you can directly download and flash your selected Pi image right from the app itself, including Pi OS and RetroPie. He says, these apps make... Raspberry Pi imaging and flashing a simple task when it before was not. He says, so check them out if you do any Raspberry Pi projects on the Mac. That's great. We'll we'll link all of these together here so that you can find them when you want to find them. Thanks, Steve. That's great. That's great. I, so much of the barrier to entry for playing with things like Raspberry Pi or Arduino or whatever is just the, you know, okay, I want to get this started. Here's my Mac. Here's my Raspberry Pi how do I use one to make the other work? And these apps from Steve, especially like Pi Imager to get you started, that's a great way to go because it slurps it down and it does all that stuff. So yeah, I like it. Have you uh, started messing with any Pi stuff, John? I think I have one somewhere that I got from yeah. someone at one of the CES shows, but I haven't yet looked at it. I've done embedded development, which is- right. Weird. The Raspberry Pi is, as far as I can tell. I, I don't recall the specific processor that's in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, essentially you're running embedded, you know, a, a, a lightweight version of Linux on it is, is what it comes down to. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, listener Mark is happy to tell us about his Amcrest cameras, A-M-C-R-E-S-T. These are... We'll call them generic cameras in that they aren't tied to any specific platform, like, say, your ring cameras or things like that. The nice part about that is you can point something like Synology Surveillance Station at them, or you can use a uh, like a Homebridge plugin or a Hoobs plugin to point to the camera's RTSP endpoints and then integrate them into your your home kit setup really easily that way, too. So. Um, and he says he's really liked these cameras. They have lots of different options and they're well supported as well. So, um, so thank you for, for sending these in Mark. Great, great stuff. Uh, so he says, I own several and I'm very happy. So thanks. Yeah. We, you know, it finding sort of generic cameras that aren't from fly by night companies is the key, right? We keep mentioning Foscam and, and now happy to know about Amcrest as well. So thanks Mark. It's good. Good, good. Thoughts on that, John, before we keep moving? I feel like we've got time for maybe one more. Maybe. 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 Actually, we might have a, a, a slew of them that we can kind of catch <laughs> up and, and get going. Yeah, good. All right. We talked about offline maps uh, as a good thing to have when you are doing any sort of travel in case your phone loses a data connection at a critical moment. Uh, several of you 
suggested different things. We'll start with Jamie. Jamie says uh, there is also maps.me, which is another iOS maps app, which operates on offline downloaded maps only. That's its entire concept. You download any map regions you expect to be using. The maps may be better than Google Maps for certain purposes, especially hiking. They have a lot of local detail. He says, I've had maps.me in my toolkit uh, when I went to Ireland. So great. Awesome. That's perfect. And Dimitri also, thank you for sending in maps.me there. In fact, there were several of you that sent in maps.me. So this is good. Uh, Lou suggests, uh, let me find your email here, Lou, just to make sure I don't miss what you were telling me. Uh, he says, while I found the downloadable Google Maps are good for driving directions, uh, for walking directions, check out the free Here We Go app. It says, I've used it for walking directions all over Europe with excellent results. With Here We Go, you download the maps you need, you set Use app offline, put the phone in airplane mode, and boom, you're good to go. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, maps that operate, yeah, for walking, that makes sense. Visiting a city that uh, if you don't have a data connection, if you haven't you know, paid the extra for your, your data to follow you, that's pretty good. And then uh, on that kind of following up to Jamie's thing about hiking, I have a, I'm a huge fan of the All Trails app. Uh, and that with a subscription you can use uh, for offline. And it's awesome because you go and you find the hikes that you want to do. You save them into your, into your thing. So often out in the middle of the woods, you don't have a reliable data connection to be pulling down like satellite and terrain maps and things like that. And they've got an Apple Watch uh, companion app, which is awesome. Once you start, like, it, you know, it'll, it'll navigate the, the iPhone app will get you navigated to like the parking lot for the, the, you know, for the hike. And then once you start the hike on the phone, you can pull it up on your watch and it'll show you like directions in a very intuitive way to sort of navigate through the, uh, through the, you know, the underbrush. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <sighs> All right. I think that's uh, that's what we got time for today, Mr. Braun. Unless you've got something else, my friend. No. Okay. Cool. Well, we're getting through our backlog of things. It's good. We uh, we'll get there. We'll get there one of these days, you know, or or we won't. Please keep sending us your stuff. Feedback at macgeekab.com. I, I, we want to hear from you. Did you say feedback at MacGeekab.com, Dave? Yeah, feedback at MacGeekab.com. It, it's it's uh, how we it's how we do it. Or premium at MacGeekab.com if you're a premium listener. So let's you know we do those first, but we do try to get through everything. I think we made it through everything this week, John. Between the two of us, I feel like we we checked all the boxes, which is mm -hmm. which is good. So if there's a question, I mean, I it, I don't know when you're listening to this, but if there's an old question that you've sent in and we, we've missed it somehow, do feel free to remind us of it. It's, we, we do like to come back to things. And, and there are some, I, I'll be perfectly honest, sometimes I'm going through and if I see that I've got, you know, 15 questions to do and I get to the fifth one and it's like a three page opus, I might leave that one unread and go do the rest and then come back to that one later because I like to give each question the time it deserves but I also know if I've got, you know, a fixed amount of time, if I've got 30 minutes to go through questions, uh, I want to bang out, you know, as many as I can usually. And then and then I can come back when I'm like in a spot where I can really focus on just one and dig in. So but sometimes those are the ones that get buried. So I apologize for that when it happens. Please just send it back in. We'll we'll dig in. And John, you've been like John's been like in it lately it's awesome so you might even get an answer from john now which is awesome it's great no it's good it's good it's good it's good 
All right. We got anything else or are we, uh, are we good, man? We're good. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out all our sponsors. Of course, linode.com slash MGG, Eero.com slash MGG, mintmobile.com slash MGG, burrow.com slash MGG. Check them all out at macgeekab.com slash sponsors. Of course, uh, you know, our thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth that gets the show from us to you. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's what we got, man. So we just keep rocking here. Thanks to all of our other sponsors in the marketplace. Like I said, MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors, SmileSoftware.com slash podcast, MacSales.com, BareBones.com. It's good. It's good, it's good, it's good. You all rock. Thanks so much for sending in all your stuff. It really it's good. I didn't expect to spend 30 minutes on just iOS 14 stuff. Otherwise, we could have done an extra episode. John, um, I hope you I hope you have a good week. I uh, hope you're able to get outside a little bit more. I hope we're all able to get outside a little bit more before the weather gets super cold, although it was super cold last night. And um, I don't know what, what big vehicle is driving past your house there, but I'm a little worried. So I, I, I do want to say this to you as a friend. <laughs> don't, don't get caught. Not that you did anything that would have made you get caught. I'm just saying.